As many of you know, last year we we adopted a strategic document, and our strategic plan included six uh, strategies for the life of our church. And we've been touching on some of those as we've gone along. We certainly talked about them a lot last year. We want to continue to do this because this is a guiding document for us. And it tells us the things that are important to us as a a local church. It tells us that worship is important and and prayer is important. It tells us that small groups are important and student ministry is important. It tells us that missions and evangelism are important to us. It tells us that service and ministry, serving others are important to us. And out of that strategic plan, out of those six strategies, the elders and the pastors come together and say, okay, what is, should be our priority for the coming year? And in 2017, we said, you know what? We really need to focus on missions, evangelism, and prayer. That that is our focus. Now, the other things are really important, and we'll be still doing those things. But we're going to bring these to the surface. We're going to focus on these a little bit more. We'll put some more time, attention, and resources in these areas. And we began this in January, and we began to focus on prayer. And, and um, as a matter of fact, one of the things we're doing right now that ties prayer missions and evangelism all together are these little blue cards that say, People Matter, Jesus Saves. If you don't have one of these, let me encourage you to pick one up this morning. They're on the table right over here on the left side, my left, your right, as you're going out this door here. Uh, well, it'll be on your left when you're going out the door. But uh, on the back side, it has a little prayer that I've encouraged our leadership to pray and encouraged you to pray which basically says, Lord, I don't ask you for anything much today. I just ask you to give me a heart uh, for lost people. I ask for you to give me a heart for the lost. And it's got a place for you to put a name. Now, if you want to pick up more than one card, that's great. But it's got a place for you to put a name. And the reason for this is to give you something tangible to pray for someone who's far from Jesus. Or maybe they're close to Jesus, but they don't know him as Lord and Savior. I have a card in my car. That's the best place for me to do it. Every morning when I get in the car, before everything cranks up and gets going, I I actually will physically put my hand on the card and I will pray for this person whom the Lord has laid on my heart. And, And see, this is tying all this together. This is prayer, but it's prayer that's tied to our missions and evangelism emphasis. So if you don't have one of these, please pick it up. We'll also be doing some other things that will be focused on prayer as we go along. We certainly focused, we've done a couple of opportunities for evangelism training. That's not all we're doing this year in evangelism training. You'll be getting more of that. And the reason is we're trying to put every tool in your toolbox, every, every bait in your tackle box that we can possibly get in there in order for you to be more effective at sharing your personal faith. Now this month, the month of March, we set this up as kind of a missions month to focus on missions. If you were here last week, You know, we began our season of prayer and giving for North American missions. And we actually had Bennett Akandam here last week who came and spoke to us. It took a little while. For those of you who were here, you know, he's he's from Nigeria. And uh, even though he's been here for a couple of decades, his accent was still pretty... It it took him saying Clarkston five times before I understood what he was saying. Uh, But I finally got it. But man, what a great opportunity. And if you don't know, if you weren't here... He works with primarily refugees in the Clarkston, Georgia area. And the good news is we're looking at trying to set up a couple of vision tours, which means on a Saturday taking the bus and going over and meeting with Bennett and seeing the area, seeing what's, what's happening there, maybe with the possibility of us being able to connect or you connecting with that ministry. And so that's exciting. The, the missions and ministry fair that you see out here, that's part of this effort. That's part of this emphasis and And it's just an exciting time. I look forward to being here on Sunday morning. 
um, even with the time change, and I'm sorry about that. That's not my fault. It just happens. Now, one of the things we started as a church from early on, in July 4, 2004, was adopting of an unreached people group called the Rajputs. If you've been with us, you've seen that. Perhaps you've seen it in your handouts because every week we give you prayer points that focus on the Rajputs. But if you're fairly new, you may be saying, okay, who are these Rajputs? And what in the world is an unreached people group? And so I wanted to take a few minutes this morning to kind of begin to unfold and answer those questions. And so while I'm speaking, uh, we're going to run some slides up here so you can see these slides were sent to us by Moses, not the Moses. Um, these slides were sent to us by a missionary in India whose primary focus is on the Rajputs in India. But let me tell you who the, the Rajputs are. The Rajputs are an unreached people group. Rajput actually means son of a king. So you can imagine uh, that's, that's a pretty, man, if you go, hey, man, son of a king, that's pretty cool. They were a noble um, class of people in India. They rose up about the 6th century. They were warriors and they were nobility. So if you're kind of thinking, if you want to try to put it in a context where the Western mind can understand it, if you can kind of think of knights, you know, that how, how knights are viewed in, uh, in the medieval times, then this is, this is kind of what they were in India. Now, there are about 36 different groups of Rajputs, mostly located up in the northern part of India, but that's not not only there, but that's mostly where they are. Um, They were part of, back when the caste system was still officially recognized, it's still unofficial there, but they've kind of done away with it officially, they were one of the high castes of people. And so they view themselves through this lens of being in this noble, high caste of people. And yet, because of cultural changes, because of economic changes, things that have happened over there, uh, you will find these people who at one time were warriors. And they still recognize some of this. Uh, we, uh, oftentimes on our mission table, there's a, a book. And you can go through and look, and you see them decked out in all this regalia and riding on these horses But some of them do that, but many of them, they don't have their fortunes and they don't have their land and they don't have their titles anymore and they may be repairing bicycles on the street. So you can imagine that they still view themselves with this this lofty view and carry that name Rajput and yet they're a bicycle repairman on the street, barely getting by. And you can see what a struggle that would be. Okay, this, these are who the Rajputs are, primarily Hindu. There are some that are Muslim, some that follow tribal religions, but primarily they are Hindu. But what's an unreached people group? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, and I want to go to the experts to actually give you an answer. The Lausanne Committee on World Evangelization said that an unreached people group is an ethnic group without an indigenous, that means they're in the country, self-propagating, that means it keeps going itself, Christian church movement. In other words, it's an ethnic group or an ethno-linguistic group that is without enough Christians to evangelize the rest of that population. Now, how is that different than just being a missionary in a particular country? Well, to be honest, countries and borders 
I don't want to get in trouble here, but those are pretty much artificial lines drawn. And where, you know, sometimes they follow rivers and sometimes they, you know, it, sometimes it's because of conquest, sometimes it's because of diplomacy, but those lines were drawn. But those lines don't define everybody within that country, within those borders. Within those borders, there are people who are, um, who speak a different language, who have a different culture, who have a different past, who think differently. Hey, that's, that's even true here in the United States, right? Well, in countries like India, you would think, hey, there's, there's a Christian church in India. There are Christians in India. Why do we need to, to keep focusing on these Rajputs? Why do we need to keep focusing on these unreached people groups? Because within these countries, in spite of the borders, there are people who don't have a strong Christian witness that's able to evangelize that population. They may have a smattering of believers. They may be none, absolutely none within that population. And I want to challenge you this morning to think beyond borders and to begin to think a little differently about what it means to do missions, to unreached people groups. And in, in order to do that, I, wanna, I want us to anchor this in some scriptures this morning. And so I'm going to share three scriptures with you. If you want to find them in your Bibles, you're welcome to do so. We'll put them up on the screen. The first one, very, very familiar. It comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. It's called the Great Commission. This is a commission that Jesus gave to his disciples and that we have inherited. This belongs to you. So listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always the very end of the age. If we back up a little bit in Matthew's gospel, still the words of Jesus recorded in Matthew 24, 14. Listen to what he says here. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Well, let's talk about the end. In Revelation. Chapter 5, I'll give you a few moments to find that, verses 9 and 10. If you're turning in your Bibles, it's also in your handout if you don't have your Bible with you or having a little trouble getting back to the back. Okay, Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, this is what we read. This is John's vision of what he sees in heaven. He says, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Okay. You go, okay, how do you piece all these things together? I'm going to share a couple things with you. Here's the first thing, and I want you to get this. In each of those passages, the term nation or nations was used. Now, if you... Go back and you look at the Greek word that is translated nation or nations. It is ethnos or some derivative of that word, ethnos. Well, ethnos is an important word because oftentimes you may see it translated as Gentiles in the scripture, but here's its basic meaning. So I want you to hear this. Ethnos, nations, are people who are joined by practicing similar customs or have a common culture 
people who are joined by practicing similar customs or have a common culture. So when Jesus called us to make disciples of all nations, ethnos, he's not simply sending us to countries and borders. He's also sending us to the various distinctive people groups in those countries, regardless of those borders. So in India, let's just take India because we're talking about Rajputs here. Are there Christian churches in India? Absolutely. Are there strong, multiplying Christian churches in India? Absolutely. So does that mean our job in India is done? No, it doesn't. Because there are populations of people within the borders of India, spreading over into Pakistan and other areas around India, who do not have a gospel witness. Now, here's the problem. If they don't have the gospel, they don't have Jesus. And if they don't have Jesus, they don't have hope. We've got to be convinced of that because this drives our mission. This is the heartbeat of God who doesn't want any parish but all to come to repentance. And so this is our heartbeat. It's not just, hey man, if we can get a church in India, we're done. We're d- then Jesus can come back. No, 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 no. The gospel has to go out to all ethnos, all nations, all people groups. That is what is God has given us. That is our mission. That is our task. And just because we've got a church planted in a country doesn't mean we're done with the task in that country. And that is why we continue to pray that God is going to reach the Rajputs and other groups like the Rajputs. That's why we pray for guys like Mo. Listen, you have... I'm hoping later this year, Lord willing, to be able to meet Moses face to face. Not the Moses, the one in India. Moses is one of my heroes. I've never met him. You realize in India right now, the government changed a little while back. And whereas one time it was open to everyone, now they're trying to, you know, we, the slogan here in America is make America great again. Okay, in India, it's make, make, make India Hindu again. Okay, they, that's a big emphasis. And so even though, perse- even though religious freedom is said to exist It has really been clamped down on. Pastors can no longer go outside their church walls to evangelize. They can shut a church down if the pastor is doing evangelism outside the church walls. Hey, you can talk about Jesus all you want to inside the walls. Don't go out and do it. There's persecution taking place right now in India. I mean right now in India. And the government just kind of turns a blind eye to it. They don't approve of it, but they don't do anything to stop it. Now Moses... Moses goes from village to village, preaching the gospel, planting churches, encouraging believers. In an area that's super, super hostile to the gospel right now. Maybe one of the reasons I'm not going to be able to go is because of the changes that they've made in India. A lot of, lot's taking place with, uh, you know, we've been praying for Mark and Heather Miller, and they're talking about the changes that are taking place in India as we try to, try to get there and make a difference in those folks' lives. But we can't stop because they desperately need the gospel. So the first thing I wanted you to get is to whom we are going. It's not just 
into a country with borders. It's to, it's to people groups. This may blow you away. If you've got, um, if you have, I don't want you to go there now, but if you've got the, um, um, what's the name of the, the, it's a Bible app. What's the big, big popular one? Do what? No, it's not Bible Gateway. Oh, shoot. Now I'm, now I got to look it up. Version, yes, version. It's a free version, thank you. Now I don't have to look it up. But this will blow your mind. If you go into version and you just go to, it'll give you a list of English language, but if you go and you look at the other languages and you show all, it's a huge list of languages that you can just finger up and see. You won't even recognize most of them. We have... And obligate, and this this is what's going to be cool. This is what we see in Revelation. That all these people from every tribe and every tongue and every language are around the throne singing. Imagine what that's going to be like. With all those languages being thrown up to God in song and in prayer and in praise. And and I've got to i got a sneaking suspicion because of what I see in Acts chapter 2 that we'll be able to understand every one of those languages. We might even be able to speak them. Okay, second thing I want you to get here, and this is important as well. Even though we're not in control of when Jesus comes back, because we don't know the day or the hour, even though we don't control it, our faithfulness to the Great Commission is part of his plan to come again. Remember Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout all the whole earth as a testimony to all nations, all ethnos, and then the end will come. How many of you read over your Bibles many, many times? You've never seen that. Okay, this is not saying that you individually are responsible for when Jesus comes back. Jesus is kind of sitting up there and going, okay, I'm just waiting on this last group. Man, I've, I've, been, I've been calling on folks and trying to get them in that last group. I just can't get them there. What it, remember, God has a heartbeat for the nations, for the ethnos, and he wants the gospel proclaimed in every language. He wants to give people an opportunity to respond to his grace. And so the way God has set it up in God's economy is when the nations hear, when it gets to all people groups, when there's a Christian witness in every nation, I'm not coming back before that happens. So that means you and I have a moral responsibility to get the gospel to these nations, to get a Christian witness into these nations, to send missionaries, to develop indigenous people there who can proclaim the gospel. You and I have a part in God's redemptive plan. Yes, we have a daily part in it. As we tell our friends and neighbors and families and coworkers and fellow students about Jesus Christ, we have a daily part in it. But we have a bigger part in it as well, moving beyond our neighborhoods, moving beyond our communities and taking the gospel to the remotest parts of the world. We have to be intentional about that. It's not going to happen by accident. We do it in our praying. Thank you for praying. We do it in our giving. Thank you for giving. And for many of you, you've done it in your going. You've actually put boots on the ground somewhere else as you have been over there sharing the gospel. But even if you haven't been, you make a difference. 
Now, I want you to watch a little video, a short video. This was done back in 2009. But this is an example of what you're praying and your giving can do. So if we can get that video up. This is actually in the Himalayas over in India, reaching out to uh, Rajputs. A little tricky. This is the impact that you're having right here in Greene County, Georgia. And see, you don't even realize it. Your praying is not without effect. Your giving is not without effect. And here's a beautiful thing, and we see it in Revelation as all the, the tribes and nations and tongues and peoples gather around the throne. Because of faithful men like Moses and Nanu, because of faithful praying from people like you and faithful giving from people like you, when you and I gather around the throne on that great day and we celebrate the homecoming of all God's people. Ramesh and Madhu will be there. You don't know them. You just saw them on a video. But because of your heartbeat for unreached people, because of your faithfulness, you had a part in that. You matter. And I know that's hard for us to see when we're sitting here in a small, wet Georgia town. It's hard for us to see the difference that we're making. But I want you to see that difference. The pictures that you saw from Moses, the video that came showing Moses and Nanu as they go to these villages and they share Jesus Christ that doesn't happen by accident. How does it happen? It happens when you and I take seriously the call of Jesus Christ to go to the nation, to go to the ethnos, to go to the people groups. And that's true whether it's someone in our own neighborhood or whether it's someone in a remote Indian village. When we think of the Great Commission, we think of something that's a kind of a heavy burden on us. God, why did you give us all this? I mean, this look at this big world. Look at how many people are here. Look at people are dying faster than we can share Christ with them. Look, look at this. And it is a burden. After all, it's not called the Great Suggestion called the great commission which means that's our that's our call that's that's jesus command to us but it's not just a burden that god has placed on it it's a privilege that god has given to us it's a privilege of seeing men and women boys and girls come to know jesus in a saving way coming to accept Him as Lord and Savior. And we get a chance to see that here in our own congregation. As adults 
And kids come forward and they profess Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord and they follow him in baptism and, and they begin to be discipled within the body of believers in our small groups. And, and it's a beautiful thing, but let me tell you, it's happening not just here, it's happening all over the world. And that is a privilege. I mean, that God would entrust to you and to me this message of reconciliation that people can be reconciled to God through his son Jesus Christ. Is there any greater privilege in the world than to have the, this, this, this treasure put in a jar of clay? This incredible treasure of God's grace given to us in order to share with other people. As God told Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. That's a privilege. We're privileged to be a part of this redemptive plan of God and to be part of, this blows my mind, be part of ushering in the return of Jesus. You have a part in that. We don't know the day or the hour, but we do know that the gospel is going to be preached to all nations and then the end will come. It is so foolish for us to pray that prayer tucked in the end of Revelation Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Man, how foolish is that to pray if we're not willing to do what it takes to see it happen? To pray and to give and go to reach all nations. And we also have the privilege. We have the privilege of being part of a heavenly gathering talked about in Revelation 5 and Revelation 9 where people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation are all gathered around God's throne and listen we have the privilege of meeting people we prayed for there's a song that was done gosh two decades or more ago oh thank you for giving to the Lord and the song basically is a story song and I'm not much into story songs unless Johnny Cash sings them um but it's a moving story of getting to heaven and seeing how what you have prayed and how you have given and how you have served and how you have loved and how you have shared the gospel and the difference that that has made in the lives of men and women and children, not just here, but around the world. And you do it in your shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child. You do it in your giving through the North American Mission offering and our Lottie Moon mission offering and our state mission offering and our regular giving, you realize we have 8% of our gifts go straight to missions right off the top. So if you put a dollar in today, you need to know that 8% of that's gone to missions. It's out of here. But it's also when you help to send people to the Dominican Republic or to India or to wherever it might be that it makes a difference. You get, you're part of that. It's not just an obligation. It's a privilege. And so what do we do with this? What is your takeaway? And I, I think our, our takeaway may be a little different for each of us today. For some of us, we came and we just, we just needed to know a little bit more. We, we really weren't aware of how our lives can make a difference, how our lives touch so many other lives, how what... The praying those prayer points on, on Sunday that you get in your handout, you go, okay, I thought the handout was just so I could go to Zaxby's and get 10% off. 
No, no, it's, it's there to help you to pray. Maybe for some of you it was an encouragement to give. You know that, you know what, I put my money in the offering plate, but I thought it was just to keep the lights on and the, and the heat going and to pay salaries and stuff like that. I didn't realize that even when I give, whether it's to a special offering or just in my regular offering, I didn't realize that, that it went and, and helped support people like Moses who's traipsing around in the Himalayas sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, walking through jungles, carrying it in village to village to village. I didn't realize that, that I was part of that. And maybe, maybe for you that was it this morning, to realize that, you know, my check matters. Maybe for some of you, you know that God's got a call in your life that you have not yet answered. And that is to get out of your comfort zone, to get from where you are, to go to where God wants you to be. I'm not telling you that's in India or China or Saudi Arabia or the Dominican Republic. I'm not telling you it's any of those places. For you, it might be across the street. For you, it might be that desk at the end of the hallway. For you, it may be that friend who calls you out of the blue. But you have a part in that. There's a call of God on your life, and the call is for you to answer. For some of you, that call might be simply to receive the Savior that Ramesh and Madhu received. The Savior that so many of you have received. Maybe you need Jesus in your life, and maybe today you've recognized for the very first time that I need to surrender my life and accept Him as Savior and Lord. Or I need a church home. I need a place where I can belong, a place where I can connect, a place that will support me and help me to grow up in my faith. In other words, the takeaway for each of you may be very different. But my hope and my prayer is that God has a takeaway for every one of you. That you don't go from this place today the same way you came in that you go away as a changed person because you have encountered the reality of the living God and you've been confronted by the privilege of the Great Commission. If you'll pray with me and then you can respond as we sing our final song this morning. Heavenly Father, we are indeed grateful that you share your word with us and we're thankful to see what we saw today in the pictures and in the video of what's taking place in a world a world away from us, literally on the other side of the world from us, and yet it is no less real, it is no less powerful, it is no less impactful for us as we sit right here in Greensboro, Georgia today. And Lord, I pray that you would burden us, give us a deep, passionate burning for the souls of lost men and women and children, whether they live across the street or on the other side of the world. Lord God, we thank you for the privilege of being able to share in this redemptive plan. And now, Lord, I ask that if there are those here today who need your son Jesus as Savior, that your spirit would just grab them by the heart and pull them towards you today. Lord, if there are those who need a place to connect, a place to belong, if, if this is where you're calling, Lord, you won't let anything stand in the way of them coming and in, in being a part of this fellowship. Lord, whatever it is that you call us to, we want to say yes. We want to respond positively to your call in our lives, Lord, whatever that might be. And so now, Lord, we lay our hearts on the altar. 
And we thank you. We thank you, Father, for loving us and showing us that love by sending your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray.